0: As has already been mentioned, today is our designated day of prayer and fasting. And just a moment ago during the Lord's Supper, I saw almost everyone break the fast. So I was a little disappointed. In you. No. Uh, no. Just kidding. Uh, you know, that is something I think is interesting, though. It's a reminder that Christianity is not at its root an ascetic religion. Uh, it's not a religion or uh, a, a way of following God that is all about just the denial of the flesh and fasting and things like that. Part of the central element that binds us together is is food, is you know bread and wine that we have when we, we are together. That's that's central to the uh, to uh, Christianity. And so it's even fasts can take a break when we gather together and celebrate the Lord. Um, but today, if you are looking for uh, maybe a special place. That you want to set aside uh, as you go to God in prayer. We want you to know that here at the church building, room 113, will be left open uh, after services for a while. And in that room, there will be uh, psalms that have been written out, some prayers that if you want to to, uh, read and pray some of the prayers that have uh, have come before you, uh, you can do that as you address God. There's a prayer journal if you would like to write some things down. But there is a space here at the building that Bert uh, has has put together uh, that could be helpful to us as we go to God in prayer today. Um, Our lesson this morning is going to deal with prayer, and it's going to kind of look at some of the things that we've been talking about for the last three weeks building up to today. Um, I don't know exactly what all of you have chosen to fast from, if you've chosen a fast, uh, and I don't know what all topics you've chosen to pray about, but I do know that as we look at the world around us, we see a lot of different things that uh, prayer would be beneficial to have on our lips as we, as we consider the world around us. Um, I know individually there are many people in here who are experiencing uh, grief, uh, this, this last couple of years uh, has been uh, taking its toll, I think, on a lot of people, uh, not just at this congregation, but really throughout the country and throughout a lot of churches. Uh, I was talking to someone just recently, and they were saying, you know, the number of deaths that they've had in the last two years has been staggering. It's, it's unlike anything he's, he's been used to. And, uh, and I, I would say that, that there are a lot of places that can relate, uh, that grief is something that uh, many people are experiencing and going through right now. You can look at the world and and you can look at your bank account and you can notice that uh, there has been, you know, economic distress uh, with some of the inflation that's taking place and that's not usually the type of thing that just only impacts you while you're at the grocery store or at the gas pump. That's the type of thing that affects you as you're planning things with your family. That's the type of thing that affects you on the day-to-day. It adds a little bit of stress to everything that you do, and all of a sudden, maybe you're a little bit shorter with your kids than you used to be. Maybe you're a little bit shorter with your spouse than you used to be, and you find yourself carrying some weight and some extra baggage just because of so many uh, so many relatively small distresses that build up in your life and all of a sudden you're walking around and your shoulders are more tense than you'd like them to be. And, and those are the types of things that I think it could be helpful to take a day, to take a break, and to address God. And to go to God with some of the things that we notice uh, are, are causing us uh, strife. There are, uh, there's no doubt uh, strife that you've come that you experienced in, in relationships or in your families or in different walks of life, different things that you've been involved in. Those are the types of things. If there's someone in your life who you haven't spoken to for a very long time, maybe relationships that have been severed, maybe those are the types of things you can go to God uh, to today in prayer. You can look at the world around us and you can see uh, sin in many ways, in many places. You can see uh, violence. You can see sexual sin. You can see all sorts of things that permeate the news page and that are on your social media that you see when you just walk down the street. Those are the types of things that it might be helpful to go to God in prayer about. Uh, COVID is something that, you know, it's, I like to think, oh, we're past COVID, but it's like I do keep hearing more and more things about COVID, and it's frustrating when something that you're hoping to just kind of leave behind just lingers, and uh, this might be something that lingers for a while, and maybe that's the type of thing that we can go to God in prayer about. Um, There are big issues, big things that have happened. The overturn of Roe v. Wade uh, is something that uh, is on a lot of people's hearts and minds. That's something that is no doubt going to cause political distress as that is one of the most contentious issues facing uh, our country and, and, a, and uh, there are a lot of things to pray about uh, regarding that. Uh, there are a lot of things to go to God about as major changes take place in our country and in some of the laws. Um, when you think about this church, there's a lot that we can pray about. The future of this church, uh, the direction uh, of this church as we serve and follow God and try to do so faithfully, uh, the, the uh, future health of this church, the growth of this church, the way this church can make an impact in the community around us. Those are things that are helpful and good to go to God in prayer about. Right now we have members of this church uh, who are in Albania or are on the way to Albania, and uh, we want to remember them and the good work that they're doing and pray for this church, not only here locally, but the work that is done uh, abroad and across the globe. We've had several baptisms at this church here recently. This year we've had quite a few. That's that's wonderful and something to rejoice about. Uh, A lot of these things are things that we can rejoice about. Some of these are things that we mourn about. Some of these are things that give us hope. Some of these uh, topics are things that give us despair. But whether you're experiencing hope or despair, confusion or joy, all of those are the very appropriate things to bring to God in prayer on a day like today. Uh, Pray for people as they begin their walk with God and their journey of of a new spiritual stage of life while they uh, continue to live in faithfulness to him. Uh, What we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to read through a psalm, actually two psalms if you want to turn there. It's Psalm 42 and 43, and in these two psalms, I just gave a list of things we can pray about. As I said, some of those things uh, might be types of things that cause you distress, Uh, some of them might be the types of things that cause you joy, some of them might be the types of things that give you doubts, some of them might be the types of things that give you confidence. Some of them are things that you want to praise God for because they're wonderful news. Some of them might be the types of things that uh, stress you out about what the future will look like. Some of them might cause fear. Some of them might cause hope. I would imagine if you take a congregation of this size with this many different people who have this many different experiences who are going through uh, their walks of life in different ways, different ages, different uh, uh, financial situations. Like if I were to take a poll, I bet a lot of us have had different things on our minds uh, over the last couple of months, over the last couple of years. I bet some of us have a lot right now that you want to praise God for and give thanks for. And I bet there are a lot of people who right now if you were to try to make a list of the things that you want to give thanks for, you'll just stare at a blank page for a long time because the, the difficulties of this life are so overwhelming. Sometimes they can blind us to the good in this life. And so sometimes it's like I can only see the bad right now, and I can only see darkness. And do you know what I love about the Psalms? I could say to you, Well, no, surely there's good things, and I could try to list the good things in your life, you know, and I could do all that, but there are psalms, as you read through the Psalter, uh, the book of Psalms, that do focus on the darkness, and that do seem to, to end in despair, and that seem to focus on the fact that, like, sometimes, sometimes it seems like nothing in this world can go right. But then there are other psalms where it seems like it's not possible to have a bad day. Everything with God is wonderful, and He's a mighty fortress, and He can save us no matter what trouble comes our way, and He's always the cause of joy and rejoicing. And you can find psalms everywhere in between. You can find psalms that express doubt. You can find psalms that express joy and hope. And you can find like you can find psalms where they will say things that like that express in some of the most vivid ways possible the. Uh, I'll just say, hatred that people might experience towards others. And, uh, and the Bible doesn't mute that or hide that or dull that. It lets the psalmist pour out their emotions before God in the realest sense of, of what they're truly feeling. And, and when I see all of that together in one book that we call the Book of Psalms, it is a reminder to me of a couple of things. One, it's a reminder to me that human beings are complex, The book of Psalms, you read through it, and it's like, it has every emotion imaginable, and it has every feeling you could possibly think of, and it has has everything you can feel and experience all poured out on page after page after page, and it's like, there are points in my life where one psalm might really, really, really hit home, and another one seems like, sometimes they seem entirely irrelevant, it's like, that's not what I'm feeling at all, and that is a reminder that sometimes things in life change. Uh, because it might be that two years later, that psalm that it once felt irrelevant, now seems to perfectly match what I'm feeling. It's also a reminder, by the way, that the community of Christ is bigger than just me. Say you're reading through the psalms. You want to read through 150 psalms. And you start reading. And this one, you're thinking, this one fits me. This one fits me. This one doesn't really fit me right now. You know what that should call us to Remember? That the church is bigger than me. And there may very well be someone else in the body of Christ who that is fitting right now. Maybe that's exactly what they're going through. And maybe that's a person who needs our prayers right now. As we pray and fast today, we can pray and fast for the things that we're going through. We can also be reminded to pray and fast for the people around us and the people sitting next to us and the people in the community of Christ who might be experiencing different things than we are. As you go through the Psalms, you are reminded that life changes, and there's ups and there's downs, just like there are. You're reminded that there there are different people, and some of them are experiencing ups, and some of them are experiencing downs. But one thread that you see throughout all of it is complete and brutal honesty before God. And I would say if there's one point I want us to take away from this lesson, it's as we pour out our hearts to God today, it's as we pray about things that might give us hope, or we pray about things that might bring us despair, um, do so in such a way where you're not holding back or hiding your thoughts from God, because He already knows them. When you pray, I think one of the most cathartic and beneficial things that you could do is be completely real with God. Um, sometimes we have the tendency to want to flower up our prayers a little bit, and I have no problem with trying to word things, you know, well, and, and to, to, to speak in respectful terms and all of that, but, but sometimes it's like we want to avoid saying what we truly mean, because maybe I don't feel like I should think that way. Well, God already knows what you're thinking. You're like, well, that's not a very good thought. Well, God already knows you have it there's no better place to take your bad thoughts to God because I promise you he can handle them. He's stronger than your bad thoughts. And if there's one source you can go to for healing and for hope through those thoughts, it's God. So as you approach God today, don't hide from him. Don't try to still keep that remnant of your life just to you. Be brave to open yourself up. Be confident in the goodness of God to open yourself up entirely to Him, even with the yucky stuff that's inside. We all have that stuff inside of us. Open that up to God. He can handle it. He's ready for it. He wants to hear about it. And so we're gonna read Psalm 42 and 43. We're gonna, we're gonna look through it a little bit. And one of the things that I love about Psalm 42 and 43 is I do feel like it does a pretty good job of grappling with a lot of the things that we just said. Clearly it's written by someone in distress. And yet he constantly stops the psalm to remind himself to hope in God. It's like he's not hoping in God as he should be, and he realizes that. So as he's pouring himself out in complete honesty to God, he then stops and says, But why are you in distress, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. If you're reading Psalm 42 and 43, you're basically reading someone who's, I believe, pouring out his soul to God, but he also... Do you ever talk to yourself? I do sometimes. Uh, Sometimes, you know, when I'm I'm alone. Hopefully I only do it when I'm alone, but uh, but you find yourself talking to yourself. You're about to read a psalm where someone talks to himself. He's going to stop the psalm several times and start talking directly to his own soul, and he'll say, wait a minute, why are you doing this, oh my soul? And then he'll try to encourage himself, but then he gets back to the realities of what he's facing, and they're not always easy, and then he'll stop himself, and he'll remind himself to hope in God again. And I hope today is one of those days that we can remind ourselves to hope in God. We can pour everything out to him. We can be completely honest with him. We can take him our joys and our griefs. And through it all, we can hope in God. And so Psalm 42 and 43 is that type of psalm. Uh, By the way, the reason I keep saying Psalm 42 and 43, and then I refer to them as a psalm in the singular is because it does seem that they were originally composed as one psalm. In fact, so, some Bibles do still have them as one psalm. Some manuscripts uh, had them as one psalm. They've been divided up, but that causes a little bit of confusion. I can, I'll show it as we go through. Um, if you look at, like, Psalm 42, the first four verses or so, those are going to be, like, the first, the first verse, you know, the, of, of the psalm, uh, uh, the first line. You, you He will pour out himself to God, but then he'll get to um, the stanza or the chorus in verse 5, where he says, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. And then he'll get back in verse 6, and he'll address God, "O my God, my soul is in despair within me. And he'll begin to pour out some of his hardships to God again. But then look at verse 11. You'll notice it's just about the same thing as verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And then you get to Psalm 43, and he again is addressing God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. And he begins to again lay out some of the hardships, although this one is mixed with petition and, and hope. And then he finally ends in verse 5, and doesn't that sound familiar? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of my countenance and my God. What happens is that that is a threefold repetition of this, I'm being completely honest before God, and I remind myself, wait, if there's one place I can place my hope, it's in God himself. So he stops himself three times to hope in God. And if you just read this through as one psalm, the whole thing flows together really well. To set the stage a little bit, the psalmist seems to be a worship leader in Israel. Uh, He's someone who used to lead in the temple and lead in the temple services and and the the worship that would take place. He was a musician. But he seems to be in exile away from the temple, away from his homeland. And as he sits here by himself in the darkness of exile, he remembers home and he cries his eyes out because he's not where he wants to be. Um, There may be some of us in here like physically like this. Maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe your family lives far away, and sometimes as you consider them and remember them, it's difficult. But I also think sometimes we might find ourselves spiritually, not where we want to be. And it seems as though we are distant from God. Even though God, we understand, in our heads is omnipresent and is all around us, sometimes we can feel as though God is very distant, as though we've been exiled. And this is the, the outpouring of a heart in exile. So let's look at verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all they long they say to me, Where is your God? So he's surrounded by enemies, it seems, who they see him in this state, and they don't just make fun of him. They mock his God. They're like, Oh, your God's big and powerful, right? Where is he now? Look at you look at what you're having to eat right now. You know what he's eating day and night? His tears. It's the only sustenance he can get. It's the only thing he can stomach. He just cries and he cries. So if if you're going to be fasting today and you feel that hunger, be reminded of people in this situation. He says his food day and night is nothing but his tears as he pours out his soul in agony. He remembers in verse uh, 4, these things I remember— as I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead in the procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. He's sitting there and he's remembering the former good days, when he used to actually be there at the temple and he used to lead in the service. He He used to have thanksgiving and joy. And now look at him. He's in darkness and in sorrow with nothing but tears. It's like his life has taken a turn that he never thought possible, and now he feels alone. As the deer pants for the water books, that's what he's panting for God, but he feels so far away from him. He feels hopeless, and it's at that point, verse 5, he stops himself. Wait, why are you in despair, O my soul? He's talking to his own soul. And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet again praise him for the help of his presence. In times like this, there's not much that can help you more than to remember that there is a source of hope. And there is comfort that comes from the presence of God. Even if you're in exile, even if you're not where you want to be, you can rely on God. You can go back to God. You can remember God. You can hope in God. And he knows that. But have you ever had the feeling of knowing something is true? You know that it's true, and yet, even when you know that, you look around and you don't feel that. Uh, you ever heard of, like, cognitive dissonance, where it's, there's, there's something that is like, I know God is good, and I know that he loves me, and I know that he's present, and I know that I can hope in him, but I sure feel alone, but I sure feel like the world is crumbling and around me, and there's nothing good that's ever going to come again. I think that's the battle that's going on within this guy. And I imagine that's a battle that some of us have experienced, but I know it's a battle that collectively we have experienced, where some people are at the dark spot and some people are at the the light spot. And as a congregation, we are together going to be lifting up our voices in different ways to God today, and we'll hear these types of prayers. Pour them out and give them to God. Hope in God, trust in God, be honest in God. Uh, Verse 6, he continues, Oh, my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan from the peaks of Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls and your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. It's like, God's powerful, and this life feels like the mighty waterfalls of God have been crashing down upon me, but I know that he has loving kindness, and I know that he will send that forth in the daytime. I can sing his song in the night, and I know that I can hope in God. He even calls him in verse 8. This is a prayer to the God of my life. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, So if you're talking about the God of your life, and you're calling God your rock, and you're saying that that you can have hope in him, you would expect maybe this to be some message of hope and trust. But instead, what he says in verse 9, Why have you forgotten me? And why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. And they say to me all day long, where is your God? He would love to be able to give them an answer to that question. He would love to be able to clearly point out well God is right here, and God has blessed me in this way and this way and this way and this way, but instead, he doesn't really have a response. He's crushed and he feels like his bones are shattered by the, the breakers of God which have poured out over him. He says, He's going on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy. And he's called out to God, but he says in verse 9, Why have you forgotten me? It's like, does this guy believe and hope in God or does he not? Kind of both. It's kind of like uh, in, in Mark 9, the father whose son has the unclean spirit and he wants someone to cast it out and no one's able to. Then he goes to the disciples of Jesus and they're unable to. And then he appears before Jesus and he says, if you can do something. And Jesus says, if I can. All things are possible to him who believes. And the man says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. That's a powerful prayer. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I think that's a good summary of some of what you're seeing in this prayer right here. God is my hope, but he's forgotten all about me. But I know I can treat He's my rock, but where is he? And why do I go on mourning? When people call out to me, where is your God? What answer can I give them? And as all of these things build up, verse 11, he stops himself again. Wait, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God for I shall again praise him for the help of my countenance and my God. It's like, stop it. You're, you're spiraling. You're losing control here. Remember that there is a source of hope that you can go to forever and always. Today is a reminder that even if the, you're spiraling, there's a source of hope you can go to right now forever and always. Chapter 43 or Psalm 43 and verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. So remember, he, he's in exile. He's surrounded by people who are his enemies, who are mocking him, who are mocking his God. And here is where he begins to ask God for help. He hasn't done that much yet. He has talked about his memories and his sorrow and the pains that he's going through. He's reminded himself to hope in God, but now he turns to petition, where he's asking God to vindicate me and to deliver me. Verse 2, he says, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? That's the same line we saw earlier in, in Psalm 42, but he's saying, God, you're supposed to be like my refuge and my stronghold, and there are so many psalms and so many passages that say that, and yet sometimes it's like, where is my refuge? You're supposed to be there. Where are you? And again, that's the type of doubt that you can have, and that's the type of doubt that you should bring to God. One of the the most dangerous things you can do is, when you're doubting God, abandon God. When you're having those types of doubts, more so than anything else, that's when you need to reach out to Him. Uh, I'm reminded of Peter, on the water, walking to Jesus. An incredible moment, unparalleled in human history, where you have a man walking on the water to Jesus, the Son of God, who's already on the water. Peter's doing something incredible here. And yet, what happens when Peter begins to focus on the wind and the waves and the storm and the danger? He sees the reality of the world as it is and knows that this isn't right. And there's actually a lot of reason for fear right now. It's like sometimes when we stop and we look at the reality of the world, we can recognize there is a lot of reason for fear right now. And what Peter does is he begins to sink. But as he sinks, he doesn't think, oh no, I lost faith in Jesus, so I'll do this on my own without him. As he begins to sink, he realizes, oh no, I need him now through my doubt more than ever. And he cries out, Lord, save me, and Jesus does. Sometimes when we're sinking, that's when we want to deny the help of God. Or when we're sinking, we think, oh, we have to do it on our own because God's going to be mad at us. And that's not the way to get help when you are drowning. The way to get help when you're drowning is to call out like never before. The way to overcome or to live through and to endure the doubts and the pains is to reach out to God on a day like today, as we're having a day specifically set aside for that purpose. So as he does that, verse 3, he calls out to God again. So, oh, send your light and your truth and let them lead me. Your light and your truth to lead me through the darkness of this world. Verse 3 says, let them bring me to your holy hill, which is Jerusalem. Let them bring me to your dwelling places, which is the temple. And I will go to the altar of God, which is right at the the, the front of the temple. To God, my exceeding joy and upon the lyre, I shall praise you. Oh, God, my God. And he remembers, you know what? If I can hope in God, then I can have confidence that what I'm experiencing today might not be forever. But there's actually the possibility of a better day on the horizon. And I'm going to go to God about that better day right now, where I can be led by his truth and by his light, and I can praise him again. So he concludes with the words, verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Sometimes being in despair and being disturbed is the natural result of looking at a very disturbing world around us. And what we are called to do, and what can be very helpful and healthy to do, is to take a break, to remember God, and to go to the one in whom we can always hope. To go to the one in whom we can always trust. Hold nothing back. Don't let fear of possibly irreverence or fear of of letting God see you too closely keep you at a distance from him when you go to him in prayer. But pour out everything. Let him see you as you truly are. He already does, as I've said. So pour it all out. Let Him know your doubts. Let Him know your fears. Let Him know your sorrows and your griefs. Let Him know your joys. Let Him know your hopes. Let Him know the truth about who you are and what you're going through, and hold nothing back, and make today a day where you and God have intimate, close communication and contact through prayer, through fasting, and through meditation on Him. If we can help you today, as I said, there is a room, 113, that's available for prayer. If there's anyone here who would like the prayers of the church for you as you're going through this life, we are a family of God who would love to be open with you and be able to help in that way. And if there's anyone here who would like to become a Christian today, please let that be known. Come sit on the front row while we stand and as we sing.